0: Hello, friends. You have now entered the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper, a podcast where we talk mostly about sports, but sometimes we mix in some other fun topics and conversations. So sit back and join us on this episode
1: of the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by our awesome friends from Toyson and Hive. I am your host, Dan Casper, as always for every episode of the Man Cave Podcast. On this episode, we're going to talk a little Packers, more updates from Packers training camp. What did Jair Alexander have to say about his play and the defense? And could we see kind of a different position for Kenny Clark? We're going to hit that up. Badger football also getting set to kick off their camp. So we're going to talk some Badger football with RJ Cardinal. But uh, it's MLB trade deadline today. The Brewers made another move yesterday. So we are leading things off on this episode of the podcast. Talking a little Brewers baseball. Brewers falling yesterday. Excuse me. Game one against the Washington Nationals. Uh, Brewers again holding the lead. And for the sixth time on this road trip, as soon as they've gotten the lead, they've lost that lead in the bottom of the inning. Five to three loss for the crew. They took the lead in the seventh inning. Then uh, Poguero giving up uh, three earned runs there, getting the loss, his fourth loss of the season. Blown save on there too. But uh, Brewers dropping game one. Reds winning game one against the Cubs. Now the Reds are up one and a half on the division. This was a night two where Yelich at the top, of the lineup collecting three hits. Contreras right behind him, two hits. Santana batting in that third spot, collecting a hit. Even Adamas collecting a couple of hits there too, but. Not, on 10 hits, 10 hits, not manufacturing more than just three runs. 10 hits and three runs compared to Washington, who had seven hits and five total runs there. So Brewers now hoping that you bring in Canna, Mark Canna from the New York Mets, that uh, they've got another bat to this lineup and maybe, maybe start to solidify this lineup here just a little bit. Uh, we'll get to to here in, in just a second. But again, um, looking at uh, Monasterio, I mean, collecting another hits, got another uh, another RBI over there too, getting some time at third base. You kind of wonder when Brian Anderson comes back, does Monasterio go to second base? Bryce Terang, you know, getting getting a lot of playing time over there. But you kind of wonder, do you put in your, your best offensive players now? Or, you know, I know the Brewers... They, they they prioritize defense and such, but how do you take Monasterio out of the out of the lineup right now with the way he's hitting? He's hitting two ninety two with an OPS of a of a seven fifty nine right now. I don't know how you can do that. You gotta go with the hot hand, I, I, I think, at this point. So but we'll see when Brian Anderson comes back how that'll all kind of play out here. And I know Anderson could play the outfield too, but now with Mark Hanna and you got Sal Freelick up think Brian Anderson's probably gonna spend the majority of his time over at third base instead of the instead of the outfield over there. And then he's still got Luis Urias down in the minors and such, but some decisions coming up here for the Brewers, including with uh with Joey Weimer, what to do. And Joey Weimer hit his thirteenth home run last night, but his playing time is gonna be going to be cut short too with uh with the move from or with the move of acquiring Mark Canna. So he's expected to be in uniform tonight. And, you know, I was reading a little bit because I'll be, be honest with you, I'm not familiar with a lot of the, the Mets players or deep dive in here, but I was reading a little bit. And so far this season, he's got a 725 OPS, six home runs, 29 RBIs. He's been in the league for nine seasons, majority of those with the A's and then uh, then with the Mets here. Uh, he's got a career 770 uh, OPS. And I was checking out uh, Brewers.com here. And uh, this little nugget that they said. So after picking up the switch hitting first baseman Carlos Santana, uh, the Brewers made another move with run production in mind. Um, they, They talked about while Santana is regarded for his defense in addition to his power bat, Canna is a hitter first. He slashed 245, 343, 381 in 303 plate appearances. With a 104 WRC plus for the Mets this season. Slightly down from recent seasons. But one factor Milwaukee surely considered is his 279 batting average on balls in play. Which indicates a degree of bad luck in some of those numbers. Arnold saying he's a guy that we're excited to have. He's somebody that's been a productive big league player now for a long time. And he still is a versatile guy as well. He's somebody that we think can help us down here, uh, down the stretch. Uh, Council saying he's probably going to play right field, and that's going to move Sal to some center field. We'll have to kind of mix and match with the outfielders. With the DH in play for Christian Yelich and Canna, Council still sees a role for Joey Weimer with his defense you know they still want to factor in with his defensive play and such and he has shown a little bit of pop too 13 home runs so far this season so but uh corbin burns liked the move corbin after after the game last night saying he should help us quite a bit i don't know what's uh coming before tuesday but we'll see what happens they've always got moves in their pocket man arnold saying I think as the market is beginning to loosen up a little bit as we get closer to the I think the as the market is beginning to loosen up a little bit as we get closer to the deadline, there could be potentially some more activity. Certainly we are going to be involved. so what what degree should they be involved in that like what other positions should they? now focus on maybe acquiring. Do you think they still should add another bat? And if so, what what position should that be in? Should it be mostly as a as a DH? Because, okay, if you've got Yelly in left, Sal in center, and then Mark in right field, your first base is Santana, second base is... Well right now it's Bryce Terang, but maybe is it Monasterio when Brian Anderson comes back maybe it's another infielder maybe it's that second or third baseman you know it was was it a week ago it was it a couple of weeks ago that there was that rumor that the Brewers were checking in on some middle infield help so are they maybe potentially looking at another infielder that can play second and third base another bat from that second and third base spot but not sacrificing a whole lot of defense Maybe kind of prioritizing third base. I I don't know. Maybe they're still counting on a lot for for Brian Anderson when he comes back from from injury. Brian Anderson so far this year, you know, for the Brewers. Maybe not. I, and I know he was a guy a lot of fans were excited about. Maybe kind of a low risk, high reward type of player, you know. But uh, so far this year, just two twenty nine. But he does does have nine home runs. Got off to that fast start at uh, at the beginning of the year. But his last seven games, you know, before being out, his last seven games and 28 at-bats, he was hitting 321. So I feel like if they do make another bat, it's probably, I would think, maybe like that they look at that second base. Is there somebody there that they can play in the infield but without sacrificing a lot of defense because of? You know, the banning of the shift, they need somebody over there that has that range. That's why Bryce Terrain's defense is so good over there. But I also i, I kind of want to see them maybe get some more depth in, into that bullpen. I don't think you can never have enough bullpen options. I don't think you can ever have enough arms in that bullpen. That's kind of where I would like to... Maybe see them make their next move. Now every it seems like every team that's potentially involved in the in, in trade deadlines and such is that they're always looking for bullpen arms. It seems like every team that's that's buyers before the deadline always are looking to add more arms. So I mean the Brewers they're going to have to compete with some other teams and potentially bringing in some more bullpen depth. Whether it is that left-handed bullpen uh, arm coming out of the pen or do they Maybe see if there's a starter potentially out there that they could add and and move a guy like Adrian Hauser to the pen, back to the bullpen there. But I wouldn't be opposed to the Brewers bringing in another arm at this point because that pen has been so taxed. I mean, it's been put in some high-pressure situations and maybe give them just a, a, a little bit more help. I know Council talked about it uh, again last night. He's like, look, you know, our pens, there's been a lot of times where, you know, they've had a lot of pressure on them and they've gotten through the situation, kind of playing with fire uh, a little bit, as he he was kind of alluding to. And, well, last couple games here now, we've seen the bullpen be a little bit of human. They were off to that great stretch of not allowing any runs and, and being pretty dominant. Now they've Shown a little bit of uh, the human side to them, so Matt Arnold, I wouldn't be opposed if you got another arm here too. But again, like I said at the beginning, I I was a little skeptical whether the Brewers were going to make a move or not. And here we go; they've made two. They they, they made two moves. Are they all star hitters this year or in the last year or so? You know, they're not the game's best hitters right now, but we. We knew that the Brewers weren't going to go out there and and try to acquire big-name talent like Soto's or Otani's or or anything like that. We knew that wasn't going to happen. But they're bringing in guys right now just based off the numbers, based off the statistics, that they're improvements. They're improvements uh, to the offense. What Canna and what Santana have done this year are upgrades compared to other players currently on this Brewers roster hopefully it just all gels together fits and they can win some ball games now get off this four game losing streak that they're on on this road trip and start winning some ball games you can't drop a series to the nationals you just can't and you got to you got to win these next two games you don't want to fall further and further down in this NL Central with with Cincinnati, and then you know, looking at the wild card r- race right now in the National League, it's close, it's tight, and you got all these teams, all these other teams too. They're also making moves to bolster their teams to get into the chase, to get in the dance. I mean, just, we just went through. There's five teams right now that are all in that wild card mix, and you got the Cubs who are just three and a half back, but they're making moves too. It's gonna be a race to the finish, like uh Steve. Uh Steve from uh Eau Claire Texan you have to love a good old fashioned pennant race. Right now it sure looks like a lot could change, you know, in the next couple months here, August and September. But right now it's looking like it's gonna be a race to the finish here. So you got but that's you gotta win these series against teams like Washington. You've gotta win this series coming up against Pittsburgh, Colorado. The White Sox. You know, looking ahead, Dodgers, Texas, those are going to be tough because they're on the road too. So you've got to come away with a series win against these quote-unquote inferior opponents. If you're a playoff team and you're making these moves to bolster your ball club, to make a run in the postseason, to make a run to the postseason and into the postseason, you've got to win these type of games. So there's pressure, I think, on tonight's game to get that win. Freddy Peralta is going to be the guy on the mound for the crew to help lead them there. What version, I guess, you know, what kind of version of Freddie Peralta are, are, are we going to see in this game? Are we going to see the the Freddie Peralta that we saw against Cincinnati where he went six innings, four hits, no earned runs, and 13 strikeouts? Are we going to see the version of Freddie from the Atlanta where, you know, five innings and... Six earned runs. I get Cincinnati and Atlanta might be a little bit of a discrepancy there, but still, what version? Freddie Peralta this year, six and eight, four point four six ERA. That ERA is quite a bit higher than his career ERA. What version are we going to see from Freddie? There's pressure on him tonight, and there's pressure on his offense to give him some support too. And I think more or a little pressure on the bullpen. Josiah Gray is the other pitcher on the mound for the uh, for the Nationals. He's 7-8 and eight this year with a 3.27 ERA. But he's coming off of a really good game against the Mets back on the 27th. It was a no decision. But uh, he went six innings, two hits, zero earned runs. Uh, even before that, uh, picked up a win against the Giants where he went seven innings, one earned run on four hits. So he's coming off of a couple of uh, pretty solid games. So what can can this offense now? And if Mark Canna's in it, this is going to be a glimpse of maybe potentially how this a first glimpse of what this what this offense can do. Now again, Brian Anderson waiting for him to come back, and you know they'll have some decisions to make uh, over there and such. But you know again with how well Yelich and, and Contreras have been hitting at the top of the lineup, that middle of that lineup has to start being consistent in its production. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, and then let's talk some football. More Packers training camp updates after these quick words with all the running around you've been doing so far to little league games and quick weekend road trips are you starting to realize it's time to get a new vehicle where do you start though since buying a new vehicle is a very big decision in your life well take some of the stress off and make your decision easy by visiting Toys and Ford in Chippewa Falls family owned and operated you can trust Toys and Ford when it comes to finding that new vehicle for you that fits in your budget but also gets you to where you need to go having a proper vehicle to get you to those little league games and family get togethers is important and Toys and Ford knows that. Just visit Toyson Ford today. Packers training camp yesterday. Practice. He yeah, had Jair, or I should say Peyton Manning was the big man at uh, practice yesterday in case you don't have like Facebook and Twitter. He was taken in practice. No, it doesn't sound like he was trying to recruit Jordan Love for, you know, season two of the quarterback on Netflix. Apparently he's working on a project and it involves Matt LaFleur. He was talking a lot with, with Matt LaFleur, not exactly sure what that uh, what that project is. But that was kind of like the big highlight of practice yesterday was Peyton Manning in attendance at, uh, at uh, Packers practice. Dude, why couldn't you do that Saturday when I was there? But uh, Jair Alexander chatted a little bit uh, with the media, and he's got high expectations for this corner group, saying it's going to be Strap City. We might as well go ahead and start marketing that right now. We're just waiting on Eric Stokes. Uh, to get back, he also uh, said this too about uh, about the defense. I mean, he kind of uh, I don't want to say like downplayed, you know, last year or you know didn't really try to deflect blame, but he kind of had Joe Barry's back uh, a, a little bit too uh, by saying you know talking about the the defense last year, saying it's just we we got to make plays, we, we gotta we gotta play better, and we gotta we gotta make some plays and. You know, he will. You know, is it just a uh, you know player having his coaches back and 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 that sort of thing? You know, we'll, we'll see. But uh, he said too, he's kind of excited. Sounds like maybe we'll we'll see a little bit more uh, Jair at the at the line of scrimmage this year, playing closer to to the wide receivers, which I'm sure a lot of Packers fans are are excited uh, about that. He said that uh, uh, past defensive coordinator Greg Williams has been stressing for him to play closer to the line of scrimmage. He's been helping me with my alignment because sometimes I have a tendency to play a little farther off. So he's been trying to tighten my leverage down, which I thought was an interesting quote because what was last year we always said Jair move up, move up, and we thought it was a Joe Barry thing, giving him a lot of cushion. You know, whenever we were looking at that, you know, Jair. A lot of the corners playing with some cushion over there. And we're like, what is Joe Barry doing? Why is he doing that? You hear Jair right here saying he's been, you know, he has a tendency to play a little farther off. And that the new defensive, uh, past defensive coordinator, his new position coach, Greg Williams, has been trying to tighten, tighten that up. Trying to tighten that leverage down. So, do we have to... Maybe take some of that uh, blame that we put on Joe Barry last year, and uh, give a little, put a little bit more of that on uh, on Jair. Jair also said about his D. I think last year we were making a bunch of excuses for ourselves. Joe Barry can go out and call whatever call he wants to. At the end of the day, we have to execute that call. I think we were making a lot of excuses for why we weren't. But I thought that that one quote he said about where he admitted that it's him that, uh, you know, tends to have a little bit more cushion there. I thought it was kind of interesting. So something to kind of keep an eye on, I guess, once uh, once the season starts here. Do we see Jair playing closer to the line of scrimmage? More of that press man, potentially. Uh, Kenny Clark, could he potentially be changing up positions uh, a little bit a lot in practice if you've been kind of watching practice or if you've been down for some practice or maybe you've been following along to to the reporters over there he's been lining up in uh in a different spot not his normal nose tackle uh position and i know green bay has tried to experiment with that in in the past before but mostly you know he's been um a, a nose tackle. He's been lined up uh, with at, at the nose tackle. But this, so far in training camp, he's been lining up in a spot that was held down by, like, Dean Lowry uh, for most of the time. So, like, in that base 3-4, he's been playing uh, a little bit at the end because Packers have been giving more reps to T.J. Slayton at uh, at that nose tackle spot. And if you look at, you know, if you look at the depth charts, if you look at what the base defense has kind of been like so far... Uh, With these practices, it's been Slayton playing that nose tackle, and then uh, Wyatt and Kenny Clark kind of playing on the ends over there, those 3-4 defensive ends. And there's some nuggets. This is from PackersNews.com. I think these are interesting nuggets. By studying the results of last season, Clark had much more of an impact as a pass rusher when he was lined up off the nose. He had one sack two quarterback hits and two pressures in 111 snaps at the nose tackle in the base defense when he was moved away from the nose he had four sacks four quarterback hits and 16 pressures 16 pressures so interesting nuggets however we also know that packers aren't the only team that does this a lot of teams how often do they play their base defenses anymore? A lot of it is nickel defense. And according to the numbers, it was about seventy percent of the snaps last year that the that the Packers um were, were in were in nickel. So even with you know with a nickel defense you've got two down linemen. Clark will still probably be lined up a little bit more in, in the middle. You know, Clark and Wyatt will be the two inside pass rushers in the nickel. So that will still allow Clark to be over the center. So, but maybe, just maybe, like, and that was something I was kind of alluding to in one of our uh, position preview series when it comes to the defensive line. You know, with the emergence of Slayton, you know, is he going to be that run-stuffing nose tackle? Um, You know, with Wyatt heading into his second year, those the two youngsters of Carl Brooks and such. This defensive line, other dudes need to step up and help out Kenny Clark, because I want Kenny Clark to be a little versatile. I want Joe Barry to be able to move Kenny Clark a little bit around on the defensive line to affect games. He's their best defensive lineman by far. The guy feels like he's been around for 10 years and he's still only 27 flipping years old. 27 flipping years old. I think he can do a lot of different things on that defensive line, so hopefully these guys like Slayton with the increased snaps can earn those reps, be a factor in in, in uh, stuffing the run. Hopefully Wyatt can take that jump in year two that allows Kenny Clark to be put in a position where he can really affect games. And if his, he can really affect games by getting after that quarterback and collapsing the pocket, hopefully the Packers can get in a position where you know they can put him in that spot to do that sort of stuff. But it's going to be dependent on his teammates, and the rest of that defensive line to do their job and to do their job effectively. We're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors, and then RJ Cardinal joins us. Badger football camp also getting set to begin. Let's chat a little Badger football after these quick words. It seems like these days things are getting a bit more expensive and maybe when it comes to shopping for you and your family, you're operating under a budget. Well, here's a tip that will instantly help you stay in your budget when it comes to your shopping plus some added benefits. Shop at Hy-Vee. It's that simple. Their sales are incredible. They have a wide variety of top-notch quality items to choose from, all while you're helping save some money at the gas pump with their Fuel Savers programs. You shouldn't have to sacrifice quality when it comes to shopping. And by shopping at Hy-Vee, you don't have to. Go visit Hy-Vee in Oakland Claire for all of your shopping needs. RJ Cardinal now joining us to talk some Badger football. RJ, do you got camp fever now?
0: Yeah, saw so, um, Platteville's, I think it was their president, uh, was posting pictures of an equipment truck arriving yesterday and getting unloaded. So, nice. uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, seeing what today brings in terms of what day one of reporting to camp is going to look like. I know when it was um, out at the seminary, it was pretty much uh, everybody found their own way there. So, like, if you're an incoming freshman, usually your parents dropped you off. If you're uh, living down on campus, uh, yeah, you you found your own way out to the west side of Madison here, and uh, uh, actually did check in for <laughs> for camp. So it'll be interesting to see. I highly doubt they're going to have individuals driving out to Platteville. So I'm assuming we'll see uh, buses leaving out there and uh, probably check-in happens before you even leave uh, the Camp Randall complex to uh, leave for Platteville. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, and, you know, it was usually a check-in, team meeting, lunch, uh, and then film. Uh, There was no real uh, practice on day one. Um, And then usually... Uh, it was like freshmen uh, at my time still were those scholarship freshmen and preferred walk-on freshmen uh, had a day of their own. Uh, and then uh, the uh, upperclassmen and returners would all come in and then you'd officially start camp, kind of like uh, the, the way the NFL does it when you have rookies and new people and people coming off injury starting camp before the veterans all show up.
1: So, RJ, you know, this whole off season has been filled with a lot of excitement, hype, uh, you know, since Luke Fickle has been hired. I mean, there's, you know, with the, with the Fickle bat signal, the new recruits, you know, the new coaching staff and all that. So where, like, what are your realistic expectations for this ball club this year? I know Fickle said last week. You know, at uh, at the media days, it's all about championships. That's the goal. That'll always be the goal. But what are your realistic expectations for this ball club in year one under Luke Fickle?
0: Um, you you'd like to, uh, looking at the schedule. I mean, you'd like to say ten and two. Um, it's. It, I don't think your expectations should really drop off from from what we've seen in the past. Uh, you can. Sure, you can come out and say it's a new coach, new system on both sides of the ball. But when push comes to shove, I mean, this is a team, uh, the talent is there. We've seen it. I mean, the guys who are, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, like, not many guys left left. I mean, your front seven is still going to have a lot of experience on it, Um your offensive side of the ball um you know we've always complained about not having uh, a good quarterback room that we were always forced to have one guy who wasn't even being pushed for competition now you have former four-star recruits that are your top 3 right now um it's it's uh, your running back room um we'll see what we have behind uh Allen and Lucy but still i mean that's a very formidable Running back combo uh, in the country, not just the Big Ten, um, and yet there's people sleeping on them and saying they're the fourth best combo in the in in the Big Ten. So um, it, it's one of those. On paper, uh, this team still should be pushing to win the West, possibly be ten and two, 11 and one. Um, I don't like. I really like the over on the eight and a half. Uh, I'll take nine plus wins for this team this, this year uh, while they're pushing to be uh, Big Ten West champs and, and moving to I've uh, probably play uh, Ohio State or Michigan uh, in the Big Ten championship game.
1: You know, I know Luke Fickle uh during one of his uh, sessions too, you know, he said it's going to look different. Uh one of his quotes, "It will look different. We all hopefully understand that and brace ourselves for that." It definitely looks different, but I don't think when you really get down to it, the brass tacks of things, that it's that much different. It's still about the game that's one up front. It's still about the big guys. And I think that's kind of been you know, one thing that Badgers fans have wondered about: what is that offensive line going to look like? Is it still going to be about the big guys? Could they go a little bit more? I, I don't, I don't know, smaller, maybe more mobile. I mean, is one of the questions to watch not only for this year but maybe for the next couple of years is how that offensive line group is going to look for look like for Wisconsin?
0: Yeah, I, I think you're still going to go after the, the bigger guys because uh, I was looking back at Longo's tenure as an offensive coordinator. Uh, once he hit uh, the FBS. And, you know, it's a, in terms of attempts, uh, a 52% run, 48% pass. Uh, at Old Miss, a little heavier on the pass, uh, but, I mean, I'm struggling to think of a, a pretty darn good uh, <laughs> Old Miss running back uh, in 17 and 18. When he got to North Carolina, that even flipped. It was 55% uh, run, 45% pass, and we, we've talked about it before. Um, he had it where it was on the verge of two running backs eclipsing uh, a 1,000 yards. Uh, he had one, uh, another one is at like 990-some, uh, two receivers at a 1,000 and a tight end almost uh, up there in the 800s. So, I mean, it's It has the ability to be a very well balanced offense. It's all about the matchups. I think he just, the air raid follows it because of the formations and being, uh, for the most part, in shotgun uh, rather than under center and spreading things out. So people call it the air raid, uh, where I think, yeah, it's going to be about the up front. It's going to be about the running game but in this sense it's going to be quicker paced to tire out the defense and use what the badgers have in terms of i mean the receiving cores is is deeper than it has been in a while the running backs uh are going to be okay as long as uh you know we finally have a season where malusi doesn't get injured those two are going to be fine um we know the, the returning receivers at Wisconsin are going to be fine. We're going to see what uh, the the transfers in are going to be able to do. Um, your tight end group has been serviceable. I mean, it hasn't been the playmakers we've seen in the past, but um, it'll it'll be interesting to see um, the offensive line, because last year we've heard comments from Keanu Benton uh, starting during that Washington State game. I called him out. And they just looked right past me and didn't respond. And so we need that O-line to bounce back. And if if they don't, then there could be issues. But um, I think in a new style of offense, you had a couple of fickle guys uh, transfer in. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we'll see a bounce back by the O-line this year. And we're just going to see a different formation. I don't think... It's going to all of a sudden be air raid, and Wisconsin's going to be stuck with just passing the ball all the time.
1: RJ Cardinal, our Badger analyst, joining us here this morning. RJ, this was a question we got from a listener on Friday, and and, and I'll ask it to you as well. Uh, so John, if you're listening, I'm, I'm using your question again. But uh, he said, hypothetical question here. Let's say Ryan Day from Ohio State does not does not beat Michigan again this year. Does he get fired from Ohio State? So my question is: Is Wisconsin just a stepping stone for Coach Luke Fickle to go coach at Ohio State in the next couple of years? And I don't think John's probably the only you know Badgers fan kind of worried about that. Is you know Luke Fickle if things don't work out at Ohio State? Could he jump to Ohio State? How would you answer that? What would you tell John with that, RJ? I'd
0: say he absolutely could, Um, whether or not Ohio State um, feels he is the caliber of coach they're looking for. um, You know, they just kind of, they're on a guy they handed the keys to. A lot of people were like, well, he was here with Urban Meyer, here we go. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, Fickle was as well, uh, but, you know, he got the Buckeyes on an interim basis Uh, with, you know, uh, sanctions and all that thrown on him, uh, win 500 and they said, see you later. Now, granted, that's a totally different scenario. He wasn't a head coach before, but you know what? If, if it's the guy's dream to do that, um, you can't, like, sure, you can be upset, but it's the same kind of issue of, uh, like if you had the opportunity to go back and coach at your alma mater in the sport you played uh, and, and all that, I, I get it. Um, so I mean, it absolutely could happen. Whether it does or not, I don't know. Uh, hypothetically, I would say, I mean, if it were me and I went to Ohio State and I had the opportunity to go back there with the the kind of talent you're seeing there, I, I would absolutely make that jump. But uh, that's. Not me. Like I, I, I don't know Fickle well enough outside of his interviews um, to to really speculate on if that would happen or not. But I, I could absolutely see it happening.
1: Do you think though, too? Like you know, and and this is this is pure speculation because, as you said, you don't know you know what what Fickle's thinking, or we don't know what Fickle's thinking too. But I feel like too, you know, could you know if, if legacy means a lot to you. like i feel like luke fickle would have a chance an opportunity to really submit his legacy maybe really next to next to to barry alvarez depending on what he does with his program whereas ohio state it might just be yep another coach just kind of continuing the tradition over there you know what i'm asking like you kind of wonder like how much does legacy factor into to a decision like that potentially
0: true um but i mean they've kind of been chasing that legacy since uh woody hayes got fired yeah um, uh, and there's, heck, there's more people right now who know Woody Hayes because he punched a guy on the sideline rather than being like a, a preeminent coach in, in the big 10 for a long time. You know, um, Earl Bruce did okay. Uh, John Cooper did all right. He, like he couldn't beat Michigan, uh, you know, and, in Trestle, he won you a national championship, but. Like none of these. I mean, Ohio State coaches are still living in the shadow of of Woody Hayes, and maybe not Urban Meyer to some extent. But like, it, it's one of those you you can put your name next to Urban Meyer, and maybe that one's not a good comparison anymore. Since you mean,
1: know, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's a pro level, I guess. So you can uh, say whatever you want. Um, but you can put your name next to Urban Meyer and Woody Hayes or, you know, Barry Alvarez. And I guess it just kind of goes off of how you feel that legacy would be more lasting. Mm-hmm. Is your legacy going back to your alma mater, um, winning a national championship or two, uh, and being compared to Woody Hayes? or being here at Wisconsin, elevating Wisconsin to a team that can go to the college football playoff, whether it's 4, 12, or whatever, year in, year out, and elevate a program that has kind of plateaued. Uh, and, yeah, you'd put, be put in the same kind of thing of, like, Barry Alvarez brought us to the next level. Luke Fickle brought us to the next level after that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it really kind of goes to where the head's at and uh, I mean like like I've said I <laughs> I really don't know anybody on this coaching staff like I did on the other so I can't I can't speculate on where that mindset is but I mean his whole mentality of also being a wrestler you can say oh well Wisconsin's got a pretty good wrestling program he's got a good relationship there well so does Ohio State <laughs> so mm-hmm. there's a, there's a lot of stuff there that uh, i think could translate at that school as well so i mean there's there's a lot of off-field stuff that i think can correlate at both schools that if you have a little bit of loyalty towards ohio state it's it's one where you can make that jump and make your own legacy there
1: mm-hmm. uh, but also
0: have higher standards
1: <laughs> yeah no kidding to, to kind of wrap it up, I, I saw you know Matt Lapay. Matt LePay was doing an interview with uh, Lance Allen, and uh, Lance Allen uh, asked him you know you know kind of about uh, what's the talk or what's the energy like. And Matt Lapay said there's an energy here that you can't help but notice. You're down in Madison. You're getting ready for this. Do you remember another time like this with the, with this type of energy surrounding this this Badger football team getting ready for camp and getting ready for the season to start?
0: It's a little different because um, the staff now, I think, has moved into the 21st century. I mean, you see a lot of the staff on social media, uh, Twitter, whatever you want to call it now. I mean, I'll just keep calling it Twitter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's guys on Instagram. They're they're putting everything out there for the the community to learn about the new, I mean, you don't want to call it a new culture. I think we're just
1: updating learning it. Yeah.
0: more. Of, yeah, updating the culture, showing to people, like, like what it's all about. I mean, we saw during spring ball the little team huddles and all that where, I mean, sure, it's a coach putting that stuff out in front of a team and 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 all that, and you'd like to think most coaches are, Wow, spewing that stuff is a bad way to say it. But, I mean, it's, it's a whole bunch of coach speak in front of a team, but it also, we're getting to know the person. Uh, and we're getting to know his demeanor on the field. And when it's talking about, you know, putting in the work in now so we don't blow leads in the fourth quarter, so we're winning that fourth quarter, so we're the, the fourth quarter is what's going to win us championships, all that kind of stuff. It, it's more of the accessibility, it seems right now, the way the recruiting department is putting stuff out, the way their social media department is putting stuff out. Um, and I don't necessarily know if it's much larger than what Wisconsin has. I don't think we're at 12, 13 people running that, um, like uh, uh, Saeed Khalif wanted, and he doesn't even have a job at Michigan State anymore. Uh, but, you know, it's it's, getting a larger presence out there and i think it's something at least the old head coach and paul christ didn't want to do i mean uh you know you had he he wasn't too into the social engagements and everything that uh is kind of required to be the head coach right now in in this day and age not saying he wasn't a good head coach it's just off-field stuff, he wasn't too interested in. He was interested in being a football coach. Mm-hmm. And right now, you almost have to be a face, a voice, and all that. And really, you don't even need to be a coach anymore. It's more of the rah-rah and just hire the right people to be your coaches. Um, and, I mean, we've seen it where the college programs have a head coach, they have a CEO, they have a chief of staff. It's, it's all this stuff that is making it easier for the head coach to be the voice, be the, Hey, here's what we need for NIL. Here's what this is. Here's what that is. Um, and it's really becoming a different kind of position than it was even 10 years ago. But, um, yeah, it's, it's one thing where we're seeing more. So there's more excitement. And I think just something new. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the shiny new toy under the Christmas tree, uh, and we kind of forget about the other toys we've had the other 11 months of the year.
1: <laughs> right. You know, okay, so I know I said that was the last one, but really quick, just because you, you mentioned <laughs> it. Well, over the years with Paul Chris, there was always a question, who's calling plays? <laughs> so, I, I mean, Trestle's calling plays for defense, right? I, I would have to imagine Luke Fickle's not going to be doing any of that.
0: Yeah, I, I would assume so. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, you know. Putting some input there, but I I would definitely think Tressel is calling it, and I don't think, uh, he's gonna have much input on the offensive side of the ball either, (laughs) uh, considering it's a system that, uh, I don't think they were running it at Cincinnati, or if they were, it wasn't the mind that Phil Longo is. So, we'll, we'll see. How that plays out, but yeah, definitely. I think the two coordinators are going to be the ones making the calls.
1: That was always such a weird, like unknown mystery. It seemed like every year it was always kind of brought up at some point. Was that a Paul Chris call or Joe Rudolph or whoever it was at that time? It was always a great uh, to quote Aaron Rodgers, "Great mystery" or whatever. Great mystery, yeah, yeah. It,
0: it, <laughs> it was one of those that even changed from game to game within a season, uh, right? Yeah. Uh, but, and like I, I always noticed there, like there were games Paul Christ held a bigger play card than he Mm. normally does. So, uh, you know, I, I think there was some truth to that about different people calling the game and whatnot. And then, I mean, your offensive coordinator did leave to just go be a... O-line coach at Virginia Tech, and now mm-hmm. is back uh, as being an O-line coach at Notre Dame, I believe. So um, I, I think it was one of those where eh, <laughs> there might have been some truths to those rumors.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, well, uh, happy uh, beginning of camp week there, RJ. We're getting closer to kickoff. So always appreciate your insight and analysis, bud. Enjoy the rest of the week, and we'll catch up with you again next week, sir.
0: Yeah, sounds good. And then, well, there'll be breaking camp when we talk next week. So, uh, or breaking week one at uh, in Platteville. So maybe we can do a recap of how things went.
1: Perfect, I love it. All right, dude, we'll talk soon. Okay, bud. Sounds good. We'll talk to you later. You got it. That's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. I'm Dan Casper, and as always, big thanks for tuning in. And we'll talk to you next time on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast. That's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Big thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. A couple of quick reminders for you. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Man Cave Podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can leave us a voice message, whether it's a comment, analysis, or a question for a question and answer segment, just get that link in the podcast description. Also, don't forget to rate and review the podcast if you haven't done so already. This helps other people find the Man Cave Podcast. And be a friend and tell a friend about the Man Cave Podcast. Until the next episode, I'm Dan Casper, and thank you for listening to the Man Cave Podcast.